0: Hey guys, welcome to Turn Them Loose, a podcast about bird dogs and bird hunting. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to remind you to go ahead and like it and subscribe and share. Uh, If you subscribe, then you'll be able to get the new episodes as they come out and you won't have to go searching. Well, let's get right to it. from one of my listeners to try and explain a little bit about strategy and what uh, I think about when I'm trialing my dog in Nastra. I guess just to explain a little bit about what I'm looking at, uh, which way to turn, um, and how to handle a dog uh, during a NASTRA event, and I hasten to add that this is all just stuff that I've learned uh, that suits me, and you talk to 10 different handlers, you're going to get 10 different opinions, uh, all of them valid, uh, about how to handle a dog in a shoot-to-retrieve event. And I think that uh, that's probably a good thing um, because when I talk to handlers, other handlers, uh, especially handlers that win consistently, uh, I always learn something that I should have known from the beginning or maybe discovered on my own, but uh, it's always good to talk to different people or listen to different people about what they look for. And that way, uh, when you start in Nastra or even if you're a seasoned handler, uh, you may learn something that can help you next time you run. So I'll go ahead and uh, use this last trial. Uh, in fact, I'll use uh, the last uh, couple of runs that uh, my dog Ruby, a nine-year-old female Brit, um her last few runs we had together and kind of my thoughts on what was happening Uh, and I think I'll start with uh, later on in the trial after she made a couple of cuts uh, uh, we came to the line against a really (laughs) really really good dog uh, that I've run before and uh, we kind of swapped back and forth on uh, who beat who but um, you know I was was pretty concerned Ruby is uh, nine like I said she's Uh, Very fit, and uh, one of the things I do in the off season and even uh, during the season to keep her at that level of fitness is I rode my dogs. Now, some of you may know what that is, but I'll just go ahead and explain it. Uh, I uh, instead of letting my dogs free run, I actually uh, hook them up to a four wheeler um, and uh, have them semi pull me around the field for a couple of miles I've got a uh, one mile course around my back pasture Uh, so I start up the four-wheeler and I've got a bar across the front I've got some roading equipment uh, bar across the front and on either end of the bar is a uh, short chain that's linked to a roading harness it's like a, a pulling harness And I'll go ahead and put two dogs up front, and uh, the gear that that I bought as a bar for the front and the back, so I can actually run uh, road for bird dogs at the same time. If I choose to, I only run uh, two at a time. I, you know, even though I've got five bird dogs, you know, I just like to road two of them at once. Uh, It just keeps me. from losing contact with one of the dogs and uh, one of them may be uh, tired or hurt or you know coming upon an injury or something and that way I can keep them all keep these two in sight at all times while I'm roading them and keep my eye on them and make sure that they're getting exactly what they need but I'll go ahead and road them at about uh, 10 to 11 miles an hour and that gets lets the dogs pull like sled dogs and it is just incredible, uh, incredibly good for their uh, lungs and heart and muscles. It's uh, it's a little bit like trying to if we were out to try a jog, um, really running a uh, jogging with a being attached to an automobile or something in front to where you're running, but you're actually uh, got a really. Um, really strong resistance behind you and it's just it's that you can still move along and, and seem like you're making a uh, progress and for the dogs that's important otherwise they become bored and they'll just they'll just sit in the harness so you move along at a at a clip uh, for my dogs uh, I use between 10 and 11 miles an hour on the speedometer and that get keeps us moving along and keeps them it gets their heart rate up and their lung power uh, moving, and uh, they—you uh, can tell by watching. Believe it or not, it's as easy as watching uh, their tongue. <laughs> if their tongue, their tongue's out all the way, and uh, I mean all the way out of their mouth, and they're gasping for breath, then uh, you're putting too much resistance on them. And uh, and I'll go ahead and do that uh, for. I start out about a mile and then work up to about two miles uh, on these dogs, uh, and then I'll put them up, make sure they get a good amount of fresh water, and and, uh, in their kennels they'll they'll have uh, plenty of fresh water. And in the summertime, I'll even do this before light because uh, it gets so hot down here in Georgia, I want to keep, you know, you don't want to be doing this in the middle of the day in the heat and high humidity in Georgia different parts of the country, it's different, but, uh, I'll go ahead and do it where when it's semi-cool. And, uh, I actually have a pond where if it's really warm, I can stop in the middle and I'll turn them out of their harness and let them go jump in the pond, swim around a little bit and cool off. And, and they come right back, I'll hook them right back to the harness and we'll complete our ro- our roading exercise. Uh, some people think you have to teach a dog to do this. And, uh, I really don't. I've never really had a problem other than just um, putting them in a harness and they'll sit there and kind of look around and, you know, not really understand what's what's happening. And then I'll just uh, crank the four-wheeler up and just start moving and pretty soon they will start leaning into that, that uh, harness. And uh, it usually only takes about 30, 40 yards of motion and they're pulling like a sled dog. Um I'm really not sure why it works that way, but they do, and they love it. i've never really had a dog that just balked and said I'm not doing this. I do have one little female pearl that uh, doesn't enjoy it, and uh, she'll just trot along in the harness she won't do it she won't give me a good pull, but uh you know it's it's rare to have a dog that doesn't just just start pulling like a sled dog, and uh, there you can accomplish uh, what you want to do, is, which is to keep them fit and they can get out of the kennel and have a good time and see the country too and under complete control. So I do rode my dogs and keep them fit. So Ruby is, uh, was very fit. And you can tell by looking at a dog whether they're fit or not, you know, they don't have that square bottom they've got or along the bottom of their stomach and everything. It's not just a straight line. It'll come off their chest and then just kind of that line will move up into their stomach and they don't have a whole lot of a stomach until it goes back into the back of their body. They'll they'll have a a curve down there, and you can see their ribs. That's actually okay. Um, you know, think think marathon runner. You know, marathon runners look like they're starving to death. Well, you know, I'm not saying these dogs are starving to death. In fact, they're not. Most of my dogs, when they're really fit, they're just they're just bone and muscle. And uh, if you look at a real good competition dog or actually a real good uh, dog a bird dog that just hunts all day he'll he'll just be bone and muscle they'll burn off that excess fat pretty quickly so Ruby's that way and and she's uh, for nine years old she's uh, very lean very fit Um, and so we went to the line and uh, she seemed like she was pretty much ready to go these dogs know the game and uh, when I go to the line you're not allowed to to uh, have any kind of you're only allowed to have one collar on the dog in uh, national shoot retrieve, not allowed to have any training collars on the dog at all and uh, and only one collar uh, so uh, when i when I hook her up and uh, we come out of the blind and uh, when you're in the blind they go ahead and and uh, hide the birds in the field The bird handler does that, and so they know what's going on they can hear the four wheeler driving around out there and uh, they're actually listening and When that four-wheeler comes up uh, at the end and the uh, judge calls bring them out, uh, man, they're excited. They know what's happening. And she's spinning around on her her lead, and uh, she knows it's time to get to the start line and let's get out there and have some fun. So we went to the line, um, uh, position on the line. Usually they'll have an area designated at the uh, start where both dogs have to stand. And if they don't, there's usually one spot where, where uh, you know, the judges will be waiting for you, and you can go up to the line and and uh, hold your dog by the collar and unhook, unhook the lead, and then when the judge says uh, turn them loose, uh, that's exactly what you do. Start your clock. You got 30 minutes to find the birds in the field. Um, this time, this day, uh, Ruby. Uh, when I turned her loose, she immediately cut to the right which, uh, generally when a dog comes off the line like that, they'll turn into the wind because you got to remember a bird dog is pretty much just a life support system for a nose and, um, they want to have that wind coming up their nose. Uh, so they'll tend to naturally just want to hunt into the wind. So she came off the line and took a right turn and headed into the wind and, uh, she went about uh, 30 feet and just spun around and locked up. And the bird handler had hidden the bird in a clump just off the line, which is um, not real typical, but it's perfectly legal to do. And uh, she—I uh, don't know if she scented that bird on the line or not uh, before I turned her loose. But she, she—it didn't take her long to to uh, turn into the wind and snap onto that bird and. We were we weren't uh, 15 minutes, 15 seconds into the brace before she had found her first bird, and I walked over and uh, stuck my foot into a uh, clump of grass, and uh, the bird came out, and uh, I went ahead and shot the bird. She made the retrieve to my hand, and uh, we were off again. I didn't have to give her any commands. I didn't have to say anything to her at all. Sometimes I'll just tell her, good girl, when she hands me the bird, and, you know, I'm not sure it makes much difference. She knows the game. She knows what to do. And, uh, but I do like to compliment her as she as she does good work. And she took off again. Uh, she went pretty much straight line to the next bird, uh, which gets me to thinking she might have been tracking that, that, uh, that four-wheeler. Um, so, uh, we went out, uh, it was about 50 yards away, and she spun around again and pointed the second bird. Um, about that time, as, as I was walking to her to um, to shoot this bird for the retrieve, I heard a gunshot off to my left, and I looked over, and out about 150 yards, the other handler had uh, was uh, completing his retrieve at that point, so... Uh, you know, I just mentally made a note that uh, if I produced the bird I was going to that Ruby was pointed, you know, that we had uh, three birds out of the five that were were uh, hidden out there in that field. We'd have three birds already, and my goodness, we were only, a uh, you know, three four minutes into the brace at that point. As I got to her, uh, this bird was a little harder to find. They're not always obvious. Sometimes uh, you'll see some feathers in a bush or You know, see some feathers in a clump of grass, but, you know, I kicked around and kicked around. Now, this is, uh, these are pen-raised quail, and they are not nearly as flighty as wild birds. Um, they'll generally hold until you, uh, get very, very close to them. Sometimes you actually have to put your foot right next to them, and then they'll take off. And, uh, we, uh, we, I fiddled around out there and fiddled around trying to find that bird, uh, and uh, finally, I asked the judge uh, for permission to relocate my dog. In other words, let the dog uh, try to get closer to the bird and and see if it would help assist me in finding it. Um, uh, Ruby's been taught uh, the, a command, a certain command for me to, uh, when I give it to her, she will break point and uh, go ahead and move in closer to the bird and uh, help me find it. And so I gave that command, and she broke point and took about four steps and locked up again, and that helped me immeasurably because it pretty well centered out where that bird was, and I went over there. Sure enough, there it was underneath underneath some fescue that had been uh, pulled over the top of the bird to hide it, and uh, I went and stuck my foot down there close to the bird, and it took off, and I shot it, and she ran out, made a pretty good retrieve right to my hand and, uh, took off again. So, uh, at this point, uh, I'm really not handling her at all. Uh, she is doing all of this on her own. And as long as she has got her plan and is successful, I'm going to stay out of the way. And, uh, she worked her way around that edge of the field and, uh, I'm making a mental note of which direction the wind is coming from. So I know that, um, for example, if the wind is blowing from uh, right to left, uh, then I'll know that any birds that are out of bounds on the right hand side, she's going to scent those birds. Um, And I'll, you know, it's just one of those things you want to know because some dogs, if they get near the boundary line and they scent birds out off in the bushes to the right, And uh, they're out-of-bounds birds. Uh, Those dogs will go after those birds as well. Ruby's so well-trained and has been doing this so long that I just have to give her a command, and when she gets close to that boundary line, she'll turn on a dime. Birds or no birds, and she'll come back into bounds. And uh, So I don't worry about it too too much, but uh, I do like to know which way the wind's coming from, and it gets me to thinking that uh, uh, if I see an area that uh, I want her to check out I know that she's gonna to have to go downwind of that area. She can't just run close to it. She needs to go downwind to get that uh, scent into her nostrils. Um, just something you might wanna think about. But wind direction is important. It uh, also helps with the scenting conditions. So so at this point, I'm just basically walking along and uh, I'm actually looking. This is something that uh, you may think about. I'm actually looking in the bushes. <laughs> I'm looking in the clumps, I'm looking in the grass, and, uh, you know, it's not common, but every once in a while, I'll look down after a while, and I'll uh, actually see a bird down in a bush. You know, he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and uh, I'm thinking, uh, I'll be back for you in just a bit. Uh, So I'm looking around. The judge is following the dog. He's not following me, and if uh, she happens to go on point when my intention is elsewhere, now he'll raise his yeah he'll raise his hand and yell point, and uh, I'll be able to get over to her and complete my work. So we'll uh, we'll go on down and cover the field as best we can. When she finally runs out of ideas, and I can see that by her mannerisms, um, then uh, I'll give her a, a blast on the whistle and have her come back. And now it's time for me to earn my pay. I'll start. Uh, I'll start putting her in areas where I think they're birds. And uh, we've worked so well together and for so many years that that uh, it's pretty easy for me to do. You'll see a lot of guys with young dogs that that um, they kind of think, well, you know, I'll just turn my dog loose, let him do the work, and I'll just be the gunner. And i got to tell you, there's a few dogs out there that you can do that too. But uh, a lot of times for young dogs, they need a little direction. And it's always good to be able to work with your dog and practice. And they'll be able to know what you want out of them. You'll be able to put them in a certain area and and have them search that area. And then now you're a true team out there. And I I really do think that helps you be successful in the long run, in the long run. Well, that that day, uh, we ended up actually... uh, finding, uh, four birds, uh, with our fourth bird being found about, uh, 28 minute mark, you only get 30 minutes. Uh, she, uh, we were up at the front of the field by then. We'd make a made a big loop already and had three birds on the card. The judge had written down three scores for us. Uh, we had three finds, three retrieves, um, and we were up in the front trying to find uh find that last bird. My brace mate had one and and I had three. And uh I could just see Ruby thinking. I could just see what she's thinking. So finally uh regardless of what I was telling her to do, she started working her way towards the back of the field and uh I gave her a couple of tweets on the whistle to turn her back and and she uh, ignored me, but uh at that point I knew my dog and she knew me. And I just let her go. And she went all the way to the back of the field, and at 28 minutes, she pointed. Now, I have to complete my work at, um, you know, by 30 minutes, but if if I'm in the middle of some sort of work, when time runs out, I get an extra minute, called a bonus minute, to finish my, complete my work. So I knew I had about, she was on point, uh, pretty good distance from me. I would say, uh, you know, maybe a hundred yards. And, um, I knew I had about three minutes to complete this work. So you're not allowed to run and that's a safety measure at all. You'll be, uh, disqualified if you're running in the field at all. Uh, so I was, uh, walking at a, with intention to get back to her and I made it to her and found the bird and, uh, and it, it flushed. Uh, I went ahead and shot it. She made the retrieve uh, in our bonus minute. And so we, uh, we finished up at 31 minutes with, with four birds on the card and subsequently made the cut. And uh, after that, after two more braces ran, I found out that we were qualified for the final hour. And the final hour was determined by the scores of the top two dogs. Uh, Ruby actually with that four bird run, uh, was the, um, was the top dog by a few points. Uh, there was another dog later on that also had four birds and, and, uh, that dog and Ruby were in the final hour. You know, you have to shoot the bird in uh, National Shoot to Retrieve Field Trial Association. So that means that uh, you have to carry a gun or have a gun with you. And I'm often asked, uh, what gauge gun do you use? Uh, I've seen people out there using 410s. Uh, I saw a guy one time use a single shot 410. And I was seriously impressed because he was a very good. Field trailer, uh, but um, that I'm just not that good of a shot. I got to tell you, you know, you wing a bird, it may fly off, and uh, you're not going to get us a retrieve score. So, I shoot a 20 gauge. Uh, we're limited uh, by rule that you can shoot up to a 12 gauge um, or less. Uh, I shoot a 20 gauge because I just shoot a 20 gauge for everything. Uh, Most, uh, or not most, but I say a lot of competitors use 12 gauges because that's just more shot in the air. You're limited by the size of your shot. You can't shoot anything bigger than seven and a half. I shoot 9 shot. My theory is these are pen-raised quail. They're not not wild quail. They're not all that tough. Um, And I want as much shot in the air as I can get. So I shoot a 20 gauge with number 9 shot. Uh, you're, you're limited, uh, in the power of your shells. We're supposed to use low recoil, low, um, or let me put it this way. You're not allowed to use high brass, high power shot. So shot shells. And that's, these are all safety considerations. Uh, so, you know, keep that in mind when you're out there. I, I I shoot a double, I shoot a side by side just because that's what I'm familiar with and that's what I'm comfortable with. I do have an auto loader um, that would shoot four shots um, a really nice gun I bought just for field trialing, but I uh, probably could have saved my money. I like the gun it's a nice gun, but I'm just more comfortable with the side by side but you'll see a lot of guys shooting auto loaders and they'll take the plug out, which is perfectly legal, and they'll have you know four or five or even six shells in there um, to. Make sure that they uh, drop the bird, and so they get to retrieve. Uh, So um, that's I think that's uh, something that might be considered for someone that's uh, field trialing out here for the first couple times. Uh, There are rules about what you can, uh, size of shot, and size of the gun, and so on like that. And you have to be comfortable with shooting. So once again, that's one of those things you need to practice. In the interim, between the end of the uh, final cut there and the final hour, it was raining uh, pretty hard, and I took Ruby and put her in the front of the truck. I I dried her off uh, as best I could, Uh, started the truck up, and uh, turned the heater on, kept her warm, and... uh, went ahead and as far as nutrition i made sure she had some uh, a lot of good fresh water uh that if she was thirsty you know when they're out there they're like bird dogs they'll stop in a mud puddle or they stop stopping wherever they can do there are water barrels out on the field uh and that's mandatory and uh they'll they'll stop in those and those dogs that have done this before they'll see a water barrel and they'll run over and get in it and cool off take a drink and then head back out again so They'll stay hydrated, but just like just like uh, any athlete, uh, they'll get a little dehydrated while they're doing the job. So when they get off the field, I make sure she has plenty of water. I, I gave her some pemmican, which is that uh, it's a bar that is uh, given to sled dogs in uh, Norway on the sled dog teams, uh, military sled dogs, and also competition teams, and it's uh, basically a high fat very palatable bar uh, for dogs and they love it um, I gave her that uh, it needs some time to go ahead and be assimilated into the body and adjusted assimilated the body so there's a, there's a time frame involved there where to get maximum benefit you have to have you know half hour or so for that to, to get into their system so I uh, made and I gave her some of that and uh, made sure she was dry and warm and comfortable and uh, just let her re- recover uh, a little bit. Uh, that doesn't replace conditioning, but it certainly is is good to get her back on the step or any dog back on the step uh, for the next event. This, The next one was the tough one. It was, uh, you know, it's a full hour long. They double the number of birds they plant uh, or hide 10 birds out in the field this time. If there's any leftover birds from the brace before, they, uh, those are out there too. Um, uh, so, you know, I knew she was going to need everything she, she had to go ahead and finish this brace in good order. Um, my brace mate, the dog, uh, that, uh, Ruby was competing against, um, had just an, he was a setter and, uh, he just had an incredible, he has an incredible nose. Um, really, really good dog. Um, uh, you know, I did, I had a lot of faith in my dog, but, uh, I knew that, that we were going to be in trouble if we had any miscues. For example, if I missed a bird and it, it flew out of bounds or something, she couldn't get to it, then, uh, I don't get scored, but, uh, in a, in a way I do, because if you miss the bird and the dog doesn't have an opportunity to get a retrieve, then it won't get a score for that retrieve, and therefore I'd be penalizing my dog if I don't if I don't uh, shoot the bird for her. So, so that being said, uh, we uh, we're getting ready for that final hour. Uh, some people ask me what the most important thing is uh, for a NASTA trial dog. Um, you know, every dog out there can point and can back and retrieve. That's, they wouldn't be competing in NASTER if they couldn't do that. That's the basics. Every one of them can do that. And, you know, really, we always say this dog has a fantastic nose and that dog is, is good retriever and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, pretty much all those dogs out there have good noses too. I mean, they know what, they know what they're doing and they learn it. They learn it just like any game. So, I won't say that you just have to have a dog that has a good nose. That's not really true. They all have good noses out there. So what, what differentiates them is obedience, I believe. That's that's my opinion. And if you've got a dog that listens to you and will obey your commands that you give them uh, quickly, then I believe that gives you a a step up on your competitor if... Uh, that competitor is just one that returns his dogs loose and expects them to go out and find the birds for him and and really can 't control their dog in the field um, then that really gives you a huge step up now i 'm not saying that was the case now, and it wasn 't in in my in this particular final hour uh, My competitor was uh, very obedient and could be controlled to a dime so or turn on a dime so uh, but I think just a general overall when you go out uh, to do this nastro field trial stuff, uh, make sure your dog is is very obedient, and uh, I think you 'll see uh, good results so we started out on that final hour um, it uh, the rain had passed through, but the field was just mush, and it was hard to walk. The dogs didn 't seem to mind in fact they <laughs> They they seemed to do really well in the in the in the rain because it kept them cooler. I think that was great. It, uh, we were just wet, but <laughs> they were cool. And, and remember how the dog is a life support system for a nose. You know, you keep that motor cool, and that nose goes a lot more places and uh, find more birds. So as we turned loose, Ruby uh, seemed to pick up uh, some sort of course that was in her head. I don't know where it came from, but she took off and uh, made a beeline for a certain part of the field. And on that beeline, she found three birds in about five minutes, maybe 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 seven minutes, just bam, bam, bam. And we had three birds on the card right away. I noticed that we headed up a hill that was uh, fescue grass, and I could see she was following two tracks in the grass, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the uh, track of the... Uh, bird handler as he was driving around the field hiding birds uh, she just she just hit him one, two, three um, we got out of there into an adjacent field uh, which was a, just a broom sedge field and we hunted that uh, pretty thoroughly and didn't come up with anything and I knew there was a bird back in there somewhere and that's where it's important that your dog will listen to you because she started to leave uh, the field and uh, I whistled her back in, said, "Nah, come on, get back in here. I think we got a bird in here. And on our second pass through that little field, that little cutout, she, in fact, did find another bird back in there in the in the, uh, broom sedge. And I went ahead and shot it, and she made a retrieve. So we had uh, four birds on the card in, in about 15 minutes. Another reason you want to have your dog obedient is so that they don't run out of bounds. You know, dogs don't naturally... Come to a uh, from long grass to short grass and decide that's a boundary. You know they'll they're not uh, they don't generally see that as a boundary. They may see a road as a boundary. They may see a fence as a boundary. In uh, fact, I've seen some of them that don't even think a fence is a boundary. But anyway, um, so when you've got your dog trained to a command, that means hey, turn back. You're out of bounds then you have really got a leg up on the competition because your dog's not going to be running out of bounds, and, and uh, there is nothing good that's going to happen to a dog out of bounds. Uh, I think you can trust me on that one. Uh, it's one of those things, A friend? it happened to a friend of mine? <laughs> no, not really. It happened to me, and that's why I'm adamant about it because uh, I've, uh, I've had dogs like that in the past, and it is just frustrating as you can't imagine. But anyway... I turned her back into bounds, and I turned her back into the area we found that bird and uh, then we left that little that little field and headed back into the main field uh with four birds on the card and uh headed back into the main field like i said and she um the cool thing about her is that she won't backtrack she won't go back down her same route. We headed back out and uh and uh, instead of heading back the same way we came in, she she went out a different direction into the main field. She knew that, you know, I've already found birds down there. I'm going to head some other place. Um, and you learn that by experience. And if your dog won't do that, call them off that. You know, call them back. Say, Look, we've already been there. Give them a command and make them come over to you and then, and then uh, tell them to hunt on and let's go into a different area of the field, uh, a new area that uh, should hold maybe some more birds. I'd heard my bracemate shooting uh, all throughout this time, so I knew that he had several birds on the card as well, and I wasn't exactly sure. I always keep track of how many birds should be out there. I know how many I have, uh, and I listen uh, to shooting, and I assume that he got the bird, Uh, so I'm kind of keeping track in my head, and I knew that he had either three or four birds on the card already, and uh, I had four, so uh, that meant that there were at least two out in the field. Uh, it's just some things you don't want to be thinking about. So we headed back into the main field, and uh, and quicker than I thought, uh, she locked up on another bird um, in an area where I thought for sure that the other handler would have already found this bird, but she found it. And uh, I put that one on the card, and... And now I knew that there were, in my mind, I didn't know it, but I had a good uh, suspicion that there had already been nine birds moved out of ten, so we headed around to the other side of the main field where there was another uh, small field that cut off through the trees into the back back there and had a pond in the middle of it, um, and if I was a bird handler, I would definitely put a bird back there, I'd hide a bird back there, and... Uh, make make the competitors go back there. So we had it back and and uh Ruby had a she was way ahead of me. She uh no, way ahead of me physically and mentally. She uh, was already headed back there. She went out of sight around a corner with the judge hot on her heels on a four wheeler and and I was uh limping along trying to get to her as best I could when I heard him yell point and I said, Oh my goodness I that made me feel pretty good. That would have been six birds and and if everything went well with six birds on the card and only ten of them hidden um that would have been i i I felt pretty good about our chances up to that point. I wasn't really sure and and I was really kind of pretty tightly focused on what I was doing and um uh, but uh when she found her sixth bird, then I started to think you know maybe there's a maybe there's a chance uh That we're going to be able to come out of this okay and uh, but things had to work i had to make sure that uh, she did in fact have a bird and it wasn't just a pile of feathers um, which which happens occasionally Uh, i got finally got up to her the i saw the bird in the bush actually and i went over and kicked it up and it flew out and i shot it and and uh, she retreated to hand and we had six birds and and it was time to head back up into the Mayfield to see if we could find any more. But you know, it was uh, we had twenty minutes left in a one-hour brace. Uh, we'd already found six birds, and I was pretty sure he had four already, so that's ten. Um, you know, we had uh, so it was time to really start searching the edges for maybe uh, a bird that was out of bounds from an earlier brace and decided to come back. And it was getting time to set up for the roost and these uh, quail will of course roost in a covey if they can for protection and even though these are pen raised birds they still have that innate um, desire to uh, roost together so a lot of birds sometimes they'll flush out of bounds during the day or run out of bounds maybe if it's a hot day or something they'll run out of bounds and get into the bushes for the cool Sometimes they'll come in from those uh, out-of-bounds areas. They'll walk back into the field. It's uh, very common, uh, especially in the later braces in the day when it starts to cool off. They'll come back in and get into the field to try to find other birds to roost with. So we decided to go around the edges, and uh, we hunted. uh, Ruby hunted every single bush she could find, every clump of grass, every every single thing that would, would maybe hide a bird. She was experienced enough to know that's where she wanted to be, at this point, she wasn't running; she was trotting, and occasionally just walking. <laughs> but, but she was moving with intention. She was still hunting, and uh, I noticed she had a little limp on her front uh, front left, and uh, that was from. So I think it's from a little arthritis. It's probably going to start uh, on uh, competition or or actually uh, any any hunting dog that's that's uh, physically uh, 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 this physically demanding sport. Uh, Dogs, they get sore just like we do. She was getting a little sore, and that was okay. wasn't uh, anything I was worried about at that point. But uh, for the next 20 minutes, we hunted and hunted and hunted and could not produce any kind of bird. Uh, I finally got close enough to my bracemate to ask him how many he had. And, you know, a bracemate's under no obligation to, to say. He's really not. And sometimes guys will intentionally say one way or the other. If they've got four birds, they may say they only have three, or if they've got two, they may say they have five. You know, it's just, you know, that's just sort of a, a game that we play. There's nothing sinister about it, and there's nothing illegal about it, but uh, I asked him, and he said he had four, and I he asked me, and I said I had six, and um, so we we kind of pretty much knew where we stood then, and of course the final hour finished, and, and that's when uh, she... We, did, we learned that we had actually won the, the Georgia Championships. But that's sort of the thinking that goes on while we are uh, actually out in the field. Um, there's one thing you need to remember, and that is if, uh, if you start to do something in the field that you haven't practiced before, good luck. It, uh, it may or may not work for you, but more than likely it won't work for you. So anticipate what you may find in the field and then practice it. For example, if you shoot a bird and it falls and the dog doesn't see where it lands, it's actually called a blind retrieve. Uh, You get more points for it, but it's not something you want to try and do because sometimes the dogs can't find those birds. So uh, what I do is I carry uh, golf balls in my uh, bird pouch. And if I see a dog has, um, has a hard trouble finding that, or is having trouble finding the bird, That when it fell, for example, maybe they're looking the wrong way or um, the bird is not, it flutters away and changes directions before it d- drops, and I saw where it dropped and the dog can't find it in thick grass, you know, whatever, there's a myriad of reasons, but I'll take out a golf ball and uh, we practice this, and uh, I'll hold up my hand and I'll say, whoa, and the dog will stop and look at me, and I'll throw the golf ball where the bird is, and the dog will watch it, and he'll head over that way, and he'll say, well, okay, here's a bird in here, and uh, sure enough, uh, they'll get over there, and I try to get the, I try to make sure they're downwind to where the bird is, and they'll find the bird and, and bring it back to me. It works a lot. It works like a champ. So um, there's a little training tip, but... But don't expect to go out and, and do something in a trial that you haven't practiced already. Uh, so, because it's it's uh, probably going to end in failure for you. Um, that's uh, finding finding a, a bird like that that the dog hasn't seen is uh, will get you more points. A blind retrieve will get you more points. Another thing you might want to practice is a water retrieve. Now, these are bird dogs. They're not uh and, and you know, labs are bird dogs too, don't get me wrong. But NASTRA is, um, one of the qualifications to even enter a NASTRA event is you have to have a recognized pointing breed. And that is the, the wording exactly. So, um, you know, these are not generally water dogs. Uh, so if you shoot uh, a bird and it falls into the pond, Um, Your dog's expected to go get that bird out, so practice water retrieves with your dogs. Um, I remember Ruby's first water retrieve was down in Pavo, Georgia. Uh, The field was basically wrapped around a great big pond, Um, and it was uh, in January. It was cold. Uh, Ruby doesn't have a lot of body fat on her anyway, But we had practiced a few water retrieves, uh, and I shot a bird, and it flew out probably 30 yards from the shore and dropped into that pond. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not so sure this is going to work out. Right about when I heard the splash, and she hit that water like a lab. I mean, I I (laughs) I was impressed. Now, after you shoot the bird, you're not allowed to take a step. You have to sit there and wait for the retrieve to finish. So... I watched her swim out into that pond and she got the bird and she made the turn and uh she started to flounder a little bit um on her turn back in kind of like where you get your feet underneath you uh and basically just keeping your head up she had her the bird in her mouth and she was just kind of keeping her head up um and this this happened over just a few seconds and and I told the judge I said uh if she has any more problems I'm going I'm going in to get her and uh and he said sounds good to me so <laughs> I was in the process of setting my uh you know emptying my gun and I set it down on the ground and I was going to take it off my vest and uh she managed to get her legs underneath her and uh came up on the step and uh she didn't bring it straight back to me like you'd want a water dog to do she just headed to the closest shore and then ran it back to me so you know, I got extra points for a water retrieve. Now, if she'd have made a straight line out and a straight line back and uh, not shaken off when she came out of the water and run over to me and handed it to me and then shook off, well, then I'd have really gotten a pile of points. But as it was, I got extra points for a water retrieve, and and uh, I think I got a little bit of, uh, I got some slack because... Uh, She's a Brittany and not a Labrador, but uh, anyway, that's something you might want to practice as well as water retrieves. So these are just some things you might want to think about. Uh, Wind direction. Uh, In the Navy we call it uh, train like you fight, so uh, be sure you do the training of things that anticipate uh, are going to happen in the field. Um, And uh, know your dog. Uh, You see, I can tell by all my dogs when they're competing, I can tell by where their head is, uh, what they're looking at, the way that little stubby tail's moving, um, and uh, I can tell what they're thinking a long ways away just by knowing what my dog's supposed to be doing and, uh, and looking at their body language. So I hope this helps you, and uh, I hope you give Nastra a try. I'm still learning about this podcast thing, and uh, the Turn Them Loose podcast. Uh, when you listen to it, either on uh, the Anchor app, Anchor app from the App Store, or whatever app you use, if uh, you like it, go ahead and uh, and go ahead and hit the little heart thing and like it. But it's best to subscribe as well, and that way, when new uh, podcasts come out, you'll get a little notice or notification on your podcast uh, platform whatever it is that a new one has come out and you'll be able to listen to it Um, as you know you won't have to go searching for it and see if there's any new ones that have come out and uh, also you can share it uh, share it with your friends and hopefully they'll do the same thing they'll subscribe to it as well and as we get along we get more subscribers then you know the word will get out just all that much faster and uh, they'll continue to be amazed by the uh, content of the uh, podcast. Uh, I'm just joking, folks. So anyway, be sure and subscribe and like and share. Thank you for listening to Episode 4 of Turn 'em Loose, Bird Dogs and Bird Hunting. Uh, We've been covering the field trial venues for a while. Um, Later on, uh, stay tuned because we will do some hunting, actual hunting, as uh, we get into the next season. And in the interim, I'll be interviewing uh, some people in the sport, uh, bird hunting. And uh, I've got some uh, pretty well-known guys lined up uh, to interview uh, and I think uh, we'll really enjoy some of these, some of these fellows and what they've got to say. But uh, don't forget to subscribe and like and share the podcast. And uh, don't forget to try to be the man your dog thinks you are. Thanks a lot and good hunting.